I'm Chris Janicki, and I'm an elder here at Christ Community Chapel. Uh, the scripture today is from Romans 3.23. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. Hey everybody, good morning. Thanks. Thank you. Uh, good morning and welcome uh, to Christ Community Chapel. So, so glad to be back. Uh, welcome those of you at our East service, those of you tuning in. Uh, welcome. Uh, I have been, uh, those of you who have just been coming the last uh, three months, I'm Joe, and I'm one of the pastors <laughs> here, and uh, it has been such a gift uh, to be gone. I feel like I am rested, I am refreshed, and I am uh, ready and so glad to be back. Uh, I want to thank the elders for giving my wife Karen and me this gift. I want to thank the staff. We have an amazing staff, and they did such an incredible job that they didn't miss a beat. Yeah, thanks. And I want to thank you. Uh, if absence is supposed to make the heart grow fonder, uh, mine did. I have missed you, uh, and I love you. So, thanks. All right, now that's enough. Let's talk about Jesus, all right? All right, we're in a series uh, called 10 Sentences to Change Your Life. And I have loved the series. I've been uh, tuning in, and I think that everybody who has preached has done a great job. Uh, Pastor Zach has done wonderful. Pastor Jim, when he preached, uh, I know Ken preached, Mike preached. They were all great, and I have loved every series. Uh, this series is a great series, 10 Sentences uh, to Change Your Life. All right, we're looking at the book of Romans. And Romans is answering a question. Uh, it's a question that every thinking person asks. And that's simply this. What's wrong with our world? What's wrong with our world? And to make it more personal, uh, what's wrong with me? Uh, why isn't my life what I hoped it would be? Why aren't I what I know I should be or could be? What's wrong with me? Now, if you're here and you are not yet a Christian, really glad you're here. You, you're trying to explore this thing your friend who brought you has been talking about. Uh, then I need you to listen closely because you almost undoubtedly come with kind of a, a preconceived uh, paradigm uh, for spirituality in general and for Christianity in particular. And I'm afraid it might not be right about Christianity. And this is what I mean. Uh, this is a book. Uh, called Philosophy of Religion. And I love what this guy says at the very beginning of this book. He says that every religion and every philosophy uh, comes to do two things. One is diagnosis, what is the problem? And then cure, what is the solution to the problem? Every religion, every philosophy. And every religion, every philosophy uh, believes that people are the problem and if people are the problem, then people are the solution. And that makes sense. We teach our kids that, right? You made this mess, you clean it up. And while Christianity ends at the same result of changed people, it gets there a whole different way than any other religion and any other philosophy. And I need you to get that. I hope you'll get that through this message. All right? All right. So the very core of Christianity, the very center of Christianity, uh, is called the gospel. 
Uh, that Greek word is wagalion, which means simply good news. Good news. But our sentence for today is Romans 3.23. And Romans 3.23 says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that sounds like anything but good news. All right, so here are my three points. <laughs> Some things never change. So uh, my first point is I want to talk about what's bad about the good news. Then I want to talk about what's good about the bad news. And then I want to talk about what Jesus got to do with it. Got to do with it. All right, that was a little th throwback to Tina Turner, I think. All right. First, uh, what is bad about the good news? All right, so Paul, up to this point in Romans chapter 1, Romans chapter 2, has been talking about two wildly different groups of people. They could not be more different. You know, we live in a time right now where it seems like we are more and more into dividing people into us and them. We're almost like, uh, you know, an old married couple that uh, one's a pessimist and one's an optimist. And the more pessimistic the pessimistic one gets, the more optimistic the optimistic one gets to try to balance things out. That's what it seems like in our world. So we have uh, liberals and conservatives and Republicans and Democrats and vaccinated and unvaccinated. We just divide over it. We haven't, we didn't create division. We, we are trying our best to perfect it. But we didn't create it. It's been around for a long time. And Paul starts out answering the question, what's wrong with our world by talking about one of these groups? And this is what he says. This is how he describes them. This is Romans chapter 1, verse 18. He says, For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. And skip to verse 26. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions, for their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And the men likewise gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another, men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They are full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They are gossips, slanders, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents. I think that's a funny one to put in there. <laughs> Foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. All right, Paul is answering the question, what's wrong with our world? And then he points to this group, and it seems like that makes perfect sense. Now, if you're not a Christian, stay with me for a minute. Things are about to take a weird turn. So Paul describes this group, and it seems like all of us would go, oh yeah, that's the problem. They're the problem, this group that have turned their backs on God and they do whatever they want to do. And that's Romans 1. And then in Romans 2 and 3, uh, Paul starts to talk about a different group of people, his group of people. 
Now, from the time Paul was a little boy, he had one goal, one goal in his life, and that was to be a good man. That's all he wanted. So he joined a religious group that were known to be good, and then he lived his life so that he didn't do anything that was listed in Romans 1. He never lied. He never cheated. He never stole. He went to Bible studies. He saved himself for marriage. He, he just did everything right so that anyone who looked at him would say he succeeded. This is a good man. So Paul then describes these two separate groups of people, the good people and the bad people, and then he drops this bomb in Romans chapter 3, beginning at the end of verse 22, where he says, For therefore there is no distinction, for all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. And that is just crazy. If that doesn't strike you as crazy, then you're not listening or you're not being honest with yourself. Because what Paul is saying is that there is no us and them, that the bad people aren't the problem. They're the good people are as, as much the problem. You want to go, how can that be? I know for years, I thought what Paul was saying was this, that there are big sins, big dark sins that are easy to spot, Romans 1. But then there are other sins that are little sins, like you may think the wrong thing every once in a while, you may lose your temper every once in a while. Uh, but those little sins, Paul is saying, is that they also bother God. And so they are just as bad as the big dark sins. And that's not what he's saying. I don't think that's what he's saying at all. I think he's saying that behavior is not the problem. There's something else that makes good people and bad people exactly the same. And this is what I think he's saying. In uh, Luke chapter 15, Jesus tells a really famous story. Uh, Jesus is actually talking to those two, same two groups of people, the us people and the them people. And he starts the story by saying a father had two sons, a man had two sons. Right? And we know this story is the story of the prodigal son because Jesus spends most of his time describing that guy's life. And the younger brother, who's the prodigal son, he goes to his dad and he says, uh, I want my share of the inheritance now. And what he's saying to his dad is this, I want to live as if you're dead. I really don't care if you live or die. I don't want you. I want your stuff. And that if you are a dad, you can feel how that would just break your and then he goes to a distant country. And then he does the, all that he does in his riotous living. In Romans chapter 1, living, that, that's just symptoms. That's not what broke the father's heart. It doesn't say that his boy went to a distant land and then he heard rumors of what his boy was doing and that broke. That, his heart was already broken because his son had said, I don't care about you. I'm going to live as if you're dead. And he did. And then he ends up in the story, he ends up with nothing. He's broke and he, and he starts to stagger back home with nothing but the clothes on his back, not even shoes on his feet. And he thinks, maybe my dad will just give me a job. But his father sees him from a distance and begins to run to him. And his father wraps his arms around him and he shouts, celebrate with me for this son of mine is home. This son of mine who was lost has been found. This son of mine who was dead is alive. It's 
my favorite story in the whole Bible, because if you have ever lived far away from God, or if you're far away from God right now, this is the God who waits for you to turn and start to come to him. And he will run to you. But Jesus said, this is a story about two sons. And the older brother was at home and he heard the party going on and he got really, really mad. So mad he wouldn't go into the party and his father came out and he said, what's going on? Why are you so mad? And his older son says this, my whole life, I've been the good one. I have done everything you wanted me to do. I went to church, I went to Bible study, I served, I joined a circle, I've done everything, and you haven't done anything for me. And he breaks his dad's heart. Because what he's saying to his dad is, I didn't do any of this for you. I did this for your stuff. So I don't care any more about you than my little brother cared about you. You see, So it doesn't matter whether you've been a good person or a bad person. What Paul is saying is that we have all broken the heart of God because we've all wanted to live in one way or another like God doesn't really matter, that we just want his stuff. And if you want to know whether you're that person or not, uh, just got to ask you a simple question. Have you ever been frustrated with God? I mean, not even angry enough to go, you know what, I don't believe in God anymore. And there are a bunch of people out there that are like that, that something has happened in their life and they go, you know what, I don't believe in God because if there was a God, he wouldn't have done this to me and they deconstruct their faith. I'm not even talking about that. I'm talking about you just going, you know what, God, I don't get it. I've tried to do everything right. And what's happening to me right now is so unfair. I don't get you. Most of us have done that. And what Paul says is when you're saying that, what you're saying to God is you owe me. And when you say that, you're saying, I didn't do this for you. I did it for me. I did it for your stuff. And now you're not coming through with your stuff. So the the bad news about the good news is there is no them. (laughs) There's only us. There is no them. And the problem is you. And the problem is me. The bad news about the good news is that you, you have sinned. Whoever you are, you, you have fallen short of the glory of God. And you, you are heading to the same hell as everybody else. That's the bad news about the good news. All right, let's quick get to the good news about the bad news. All right, there's plenty of good news about the bad news. I'm going to name three things. Uh, If I try to jump ahead without uh, getting to the third one, then somebody yell out and stop me because uh, I I have a tendency to want to get to what Jesus got to do with it. All right. The first part of good news about the bad news, I will give to those of you who are not Christians, who happen to be listening or watching or you're here. And the good news about the bad news for you is this. You belong. You belong. I know it's hard sometimes to come to church when you haven't come to church for a long time or go to a new church and you go in and you go, I don't know what this is all about. I don't really feel like I fit. I don't know. I mean, I think these people are probably much better people, whatever it is. (laughs) What this verse says to you, what this sentence says to you is that you are exactly in the right place. And if you look around, 
everybody here is exactly like you. We are sinners who have fallen short of the glory of God. I've talked to people, invited them to church. They'll say, oh, you don't want me in your church. The walls will come down. And what they're saying is, I don't belong. And I want to tell you, you do. And when we open up the service by saying, if you are visiting with us, we are glad you're here. You are wanted. You are welcomed. We mean it. Because you're in exactly the right place. That's the good news for you. All right, the, the good news about the bad news for all of us is this. That when you really believe this sentence, it can change your life. And the way it can change your life is that you can finally rest. Finally just stop. I mean, all of us are trying to, we have this, um, this almost existential need to justify ourselves, which is why you're so sensitive to criticism. It's why it hurts you when you hear somebody say something about you. It's why, why you are so driven is because you're trying to justify yourself. There's a verse in Matthew where Jesus says, Come to me, all you who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you rest. He's not talking about physical rest. He's talking about this kind of rest. Because we're always trying to live to justify ourselves. There's a scene in the very first Rocky movie, you know, before they made <laughs> ten. The very first Rocky movie, Rocky Balboa is about to fight Apollo Creed the next night. And he can't sleep. And he's tossing and turning. And he says, kind of to Adrian, but mostly to himself, he says this. I just want to go the distance to prove that I'm not a bum. I just want to go the distance to prove that I'm not a bum. Every single person in the world is trying to prove we're not bumps. You want to know why being a mom, being the best mom you can be is so important? How your kids turn out so important? You want to prove to somebody you're not a bum. You want to know why uh, being successful at work is so important or getting the corner office or getting straight A's or making the team? Everything is pointing to that where you're trying to prove to someone, anyone, maybe just yourself, that you're not a bum. And along comes Paul, and he says, you don't have to worry about that. You're a bum. <laughs> right? That, that's what he's saying. He's saying, listen, you're not okay. And no matter what you do, you're not going to be okay. And I'm not okay. But Jesus has done something that has made that okay. And I'll get to that in point number three. But before I do... One more bit of good news. And this is good news about the bad news for the whole world. The more people who really believe this sentence, the better the world will get. And the reason is because this sentence has the ability to rehumanize people. I use the term rehumanize, not dehumanize. You have heard the term dehumanize. It's when we take a human being, we make them less than a human being. Almost every time we look down on someone, when we start talking about us and them, we are making them less than us. We are making them less than human beings. It's behind every racial epithet. It's behind racism. It's behind all of this, a lot of the division that we have going on right now. Right? This, is the, this is what drives it, right? that we're trying to say right? that somebody is less than a human. I read an article on war. And in this article, it said that it's, uh, it's very difficult for a human being to kill another human being. We're, we're hardwired to not 
kill our own species. That's what this article was saying. So in every war, in order to help us do that, we take our enemy and we create a name for them that helps us see them as less than human beings. In World War II, we didn't call them Germans. We called them Krauts. We didn't call them the Japanese. We called them Japs. Right? I was reading about uh, Rwanda when the Hutus slaughtered the Tutsis in one of the worst genocides in human history. In 100 days, they killed 300,000 people with machetes the way they did it. it. was that the Hutus began to refer to the Tutsis as cockroaches. Every time we make it us and them, we begin to dehumanize. And here, if we really believe that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God, that there's not a single person in the world that I am better than, that there's not a single person in the world that I'm worse than, then everybody becomes a human. That's the good news about the bad news. All right, let's get to the third point, which is what's Jesus got to do with it? Right? Next week is going to be all about what Jesus has to do, about, do with it, and also the week after that. Don't miss those, these next two weeks. If you, if you miss it, try to pick it up. Uh, you know, go back and watch. It's going to be uh, really good, I think. But every week, we want to remind you about Jesus because it's so important. Jesus comes uh, like a doctor who makes a diagnosis, and the diagnosis is that you have the same disease as everyone else. You are a sinner. And that's what this prop is for. It's a stethoscope. And this is what I want you to do. I, I, I like to give you things that will help you uh, remember this truth. That from uh, now on, throughout this coming week and this coming month, every time you read a news story that reminds you of the brokenness of the world, which is basically every news story, Every time you experience something in a relationship that, that makes you long for something better and something whole, then I want you to re remind yourself that Jesus, Paul in Romans, gives us the diagnosis. And the diagnosis for what is wrong with our world is that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. But Jesus doesn't just come with the diagnosis. He comes... Uh, and he doesn't just come with the cure, he comes as the cure, and there's a difference there. And this is one of the big differences between Christianity and every other religion. Every other religion is kind of like a doctor, but that the doctor then prescribes what you need to do to become the kind of person that will be whole. Right? And, and the doctor, if you go see a doctor, they'll say, listen, you need to uh, lose weight, you need to exercise more, you need to eat better. That's giving you what you need to do. It's saying, you made this mess, you clean it up, right? Every religion is like that except Christianity. Jesus comes to us and he says, you made this mess, but I'll clean it up. How amazing is that? You know, I spent uh, sabbatical, you know, being reflective and trying to think, uh, kind of why I've done this for 40 years and why I want to keep doing this job. And uh, the thing I came up with is that I believe that grace is the only thing in all the universe that has the power to make you a real human being. I really believe that. I believe that you were made by God to be a particular kind of human being. And the only thing that will make you that is grace. 
Because grace is the only thing that can make you both secure instead of insecure and humble. It's the only thing in the world that can make you feel so deeply loved that you can then love, so deeply forgiven that you can actually forgive those who hurt you deeply. But there is a, there is a catch to Christianity. I need to tell you that now. There's a kicker. And the kicker is that you can't bring anything with you. And what I mean by that is most of us, when we come to God, we say to God, listen, uh, I've, I've heard this message and I get it and I've, I'm a pretty good person. I've tried to do good things, but I have made mistakes. I mean, nobody's perfect and I just need you to get me over the hump. And that's not what the Bible says. What the Bible says is it doesn't matter if you've done terrible things or you've done really good things. You have to wipe everything off. It's like, uh, here's my other prop, is an empty plate. And this is what I want you to think of. Every time you are setting the table this week, I want you to remind yourself, I can only come to God if I'm ever going to receive grace with an empty plate. Because the younger brother in the story that Jesus tells in Luke 15, he came empty. He didn't have a thing to offer the father. The older brother The older brother was holding a plate full of good works and saying, you owe me, don't you see? That's why, listen, sometimes it's easier, most of the time it's easier for people who have experienced Romans 1 to come to Jesus than good people to come to Jesus. If you're a good person, it's really hard. And the reason it's hard is because you have to end up saying to God, listen, I don't have a thing to give you. Everything I did, I did for myself, even the good stuff, I didn't do it for you. And I need Jesus. I made a mess. I need Jesus through his life, death, and resurrection to clean it up. There's an old hymn, and actually, Zach mentioned this last week. This is what the old hymn says. Nothing in my hand I bring. Simply to thy cross I cling. Naked, come to thee for dress. Helpless, look to thee for grace. Vile, I to the fountain fly. Wash me, Savior, or I die. So every week we're giving you a challenge and we have the the challenge up on the screen. And this is what it says. Every person besides Jesus is a sinner. This week, recognize and take ownership of your sin. Confess your shortcomings to God and a trusted friend. If there's something you've been hiding in your heart, now is the time to confess. This is the truth. There are 10 sentences in Romans that will change your life. Let this sentence today change your life forever. Would you pray with me? Lord Jesus, uh, we come. And uh, for me, I know, I know, I take credit for different things and I put stuff on my plate and and I think that you should bless me for trying so hard or whatever, and I'm so sorry. Uh, I have been convicted uh, through your word I have nothing to offer you, so I come with nothing in my hands, simply to thy cross I cling. I pray that every person here will do just that. I pray that you would take the truth of this sentence and have it change us and then for us to help change the world into what you want it to be. Thanks for your grace. 
Thanks for your love. We pray this in your name. Amen.